Hi guys, welcome to episode 3 of Loving an Addict. Today we're going to share more of Emma's story and share some more helpful parenting tips. Hi. Welcome back. Ah, thank you. This is episode number three. We wow. Look, Can we, you believe it? Three already. <laughs> we look like floating heads right now. Mm. Just, I have shoulders. Just floating. I look like a floating head. Look at me. And now I have two chins. <laughs> <sighs> okay. This is serious, Kira. Okay. All right. <laughs> She's the worst. <whistles> okay have to start off with some humor because yeah heavy stuff mm -hmm. okay so last time we kind of left off when Emma was at treatment for a year we didn't really talk about how we had made that decision we did say yeah it's gonna be the summer but it ended up being like an entire year we felt good about having her go to finish her junior year because she was failing second semester at the time yeah. And spend the summer there. And we thought, okay, 90 days be a good time to get professional help, get treatment that she needed, that kind of thing, and then come back for her senior year ready to go. But it was about mm, six weeks in where she and the staff there decided that she should probably stay the whole year. And that's why it turned out to be a year instead of three months. And I've had people ask me, how did you send your kid, especially your daughter, away for a year? And I don't know if we would have made that choice if it would have been, hey, it's either a year or nothing. Right. We probably wouldn't have sent her. Yeah. But I felt like three three months was short enough to, to be like, okay, I can be away from her that long if what that means is she's going to get healthy. And that's the thing. We were so scared because there was self-harm. There was defiance. And we didn't know how to help her. We didn't. We were at a loss. So that's why it's not something we, a decision we made lightly. But I did decide to drive her there, which was really hard. They were like, oh, you can take her to the airport and we'll come pick her up. And I was like, no, I'm, I want to drop her off. So, well, there was a fear that she wouldn't get on the plane or get off the plane in the right place or yeah, there was a little bit of that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So we had decided for me to drive and the time we lived in Washington state. So it was Washington to Utah. And I chose to stay home and be mom and dad. You did. Well, you had work obligations. <laughs> and then of course we had the three younger girls that we didn't want to leave with anybody. So anyway, I ended up doing that. And then I said, listen, you need to be, if you're going to stop halfway, which we did, that's our dog. Sorry about that. We <laughs> look, when you have a bougie podcast, like we do, you just Did I say podcast, podcast, oh. it's podcast. We're the worst. <laughs> so what happens when you're bougie? Yeah, right? it does. Yeah. We've got all the fancy equipment. Mm -hmm. Listen, so can I tell my, finish my story? Please. Okay, thanks. Anyway, he said, if you stop halfway, you need to be mindful. I said, I'm probably going to stop at my parents and then I'll head down. My parents live in Idaho. And they said, that's fine. You, you just need to make sure that you hide the knives in their house. And that was such a weird thing to 
tell my parents, oh, by the way, you need to hide knives and razors and We should probably like talk that. about the self-harm. That was scary. It was scary. And come to find out a lot of teenagers get involved in it for a lot of different reasons, both boys and girls. Right. What we didn't understand was how the brain will try and cope. So when we took away like the ability to use or to be with certain people, it was like her brain naturally kind of said, hey, one thing you can do is you can physically harm yourself and it will take away some of this emotional pain that you're suffering from. And we didn't have any understanding of that. It's like pain transfer. Or... It was very, very, very scary. Yeah, it was scary. And then having to tell the other kids why we don't have any knives in the kitchen. Yeah. Or sharp objects. They were young, so young at the time. To talk it was all super confusing. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a lot. Let's talk about the fact that we didn't even really know how to talk about that. It was like, how to, when people would say, where's Emma? You know, the first couple of times I'd be like, she's in Utah. I, <laughs> I didn't know how to... My daughter is in the treatment facility, and this is why we were so like at a loss of how to describe it. So I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate to this. If you just feel like you're on an island, and you're like, who else has ever done this? And who's going to understand it? Yeah. And who's, who's going to have empathy for it? Yeah. And who's going to have helpful suggestions and comforting not, words and not judgment? Because we didn't really know anybody ever that had been going through or gone through that type of experience that we were dealing with. Yeah. Like I can't think of anybody that I felt like we could reach out to to say, hey, can you enlighten us here? There just wasn't anybody. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a lot. It's So yeah, the drop off was horrible and terrible and sad and I cried and she was pretty stoic and... Well, she acted tough all the time. Yeah, that's true. There was a sense of relief, though, knowing that... Well, there was a huge relief for She us. was at least safe. Yeah, we knew she couldn't hurt herself and that she wouldn't have access to drugs. And so there was that relief. But then it was, how is she going to heal herself? How do we help her heal? How do we help her feel good about herself? Those were those fears were still there. And yeah, so that was a lot. That was a hard time. Also, how are we going to pay for it? Yeah. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Yeah. Stay tuned in the this current broadcast. We have, oh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Tidbit. So then, fast forward, she we did talk about her being valedictorian. We were very proud about, proud about that. And then she's, I'm going to go to UVU. And she had earned a little bit of a scholarship because of the program that yeah. she was at. Yeah. And I think that was the school she had to go to to get it, yes. I believe. Yeah, was the right. UVU, yeah. Utah Valley University, we knew a bunch of people that had gone there and had a lot of good things to say about the school. Where we screwed up, again, was not researching enough healthy places to live. And that was, that ended up being a mistake too. Yeah, just surrounded by unsafe people yeah 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 so that was where she did really good for a year and a half correct well we had to get her out of that first place in the second semester yeah yeah 
It just it just was not safe not in, a in a for her situation, her vulnerability and all that kind of stuff. It just wasn't a healthy place for her. So now where now where do we go? You mean what's next? What's next? Oh, well, we learned a lot about addiction transfers. Like a lot of times we, she would turn to vaping, cigarettes, silly tattoos that had no meaning, you know, like literally silly, and more self-harm. And tattoos aren't a big we're, deal to us. We're not against them. I, they're personally not my favorite thing, but I can appreciate when somebody gets one. I love them. I'm covered in them. <laughs> and has meaning, but yeah. it became just a flippant thing that she did. And to me, it, it almost felt like self-harm because it was ones that didn't have any meaning. And she had a very, she had an extreme low pain tolerance. And so I just felt like it was a way for her to cause pain. And, and it was transfer pain. Yeah. Transfer yeah. pain. Yeah. And as time went on, we recognized that and we understood that more and it became more and more obvious to us. Right. What's really interesting about being forced to go through anything, but especially something really, really, really difficult, you either are going to learn a ton from it or you're going to become a shell of yourself. My opinion, there's nothing in between. And whether we intentionally did this or not, we ended up learning a lot throughout this process. I bring that up because... I interview a lot of young people with my job and interact with, and when I say young, ages, you know, 18 to 29, 30. And I can spot from a mile away now somebody who is most likely suffering from the exact same things that Emma was based on their appearance. And it's sad because everybody is such they have such value yeah right everybody is so valuable they just don't think that of themselves oh and that for sure was emma's biggest you're really pretty by the way oh, thanks babe. yeah i like that we video this because i get to watch you the whole time i think that that was for sure emma's biggest hurdle was self-love yeah. it just became you know, if it, like we're talking about addiction transfer, if it wasn't in an active addiction with drugs, it, it was either nicotine or vaping or sex or self-harm or food became a, an issue for her as well. And with all of that comes self-hatred because if you have all of those issues make you not feel good about yourself. And there was times when she's, I hate that I smoke, I hate cigarettes, I hate that it gets in my hair, I hate it gets in my clothes, in my car. And she would feel bad about herself. And she'd be like, this is, how can I, how can I not kick this? I can kick drugs, but I can't, you know, when she was clean. And so it, it just became another way for her to not see herself in the best light. Along those same lines, we actually haven't counted how many programs, four or five total, mm -hmm. but it never made sense to me why it was okay to smoke all the time when you were in rehab for some type of substance addiction, knowing that nicotine is also harmful. And yet it's, well, that's legal, so we let you smoke. And yet I always knew that that was another trigger 
for, for sure. For her. And maybe it isn't for everybody. Mike, why not force everybody to exercise all the time? Yeah. Instead of just be like, okay, go out and have a smoke for an hour. No, go out and run around the track for an hour. Yeah. So for those of you running AA and NA and sober living and all that, <laughs> you're screwing up. <laughs> no, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job and you're doing good work. It, it, it was just a hard thing for us to see that we knew that it, for sure in Emma's case, she had to cut out all Everything. things. And we're talking even like, even like a Diet Coke because that can be addictive and something that you crave all the time and some, a toxin that you're putting in your body. You know, we've learned over this last year that all of those things have to play with your depression, with your anxiety, with your self-worth. We have such crap in our food. It's everywhere. And so... Again, when you go through certain things, you, a little bit you can learn a lot. And one of the things that we learned recently was the connection between everything that goes into your stomach, how closely related that is to their brain, their maturity levels inside the brain, and just the ability to grow and mature in a healthy way. There's very harmful toxins in most foods that we give our kids every day. We look back and think, how many times did we feed them mac and cheese, fish crackers, fruit snacks, with pe fruit peanut butter and jelly that had crazy preservatives and, you know, things that we thought, oh, this is good for them. Wheat bread. Yeah. Take a loaf of wheat bread in the United States, leave it out for two weeks. It won't go bad. That's scary. Yeah. Anyway, all these things can add up to challenging mental health Imbalance. growth. Yeah. Yeah. So this all started with early onset. I think I just made that up, by the way. <laughs> early onset pornography use. One of the things that we didn't understand was how important it is to talk about something as normal as exploring sexuality in, in young, you know, children and in, in young teens and things. And exploring sexuality? Meaning is it's normal to be curious. It's normal to okay. be interested. It's normal to to experiment with your own body and all that kind of stuff. We're not here to condone behaviors like masturbation. By the way, that's a common word in our home now when a dozen years ago it was like, because it's so normal and common and we act like it's taboo and you know, you're, if you do it, you're a monster and it's just the wrong approach. And to some kids it's, hmm, but to others, it's harmful. And with her, it, it became very, very, very destructive. So what's the quote from Jennifer? Oh, I hope you guys know, just on the line of talking about your kids about sex, I hope you guys know who Jennifer Finlayson Fife is. Look her up. You can Google her and there will be an infinite number of information. Podcast, she's been on her own podcast. Books Talk about written. an expert. Yeah, she. Yeah. that's her whole thing is is talking about being able to talk about sex with our kids in a in an appropriate healthy way and she's she's amazing but the quote that just because one of Emma's addiction chancellors was sex in an unhealthy way seeking companionship seeking love and in turn just became like a shameful a shameful thing yeah anyway she says when we teach our children to fear their sexuality anything sexual 
we unwittingly facilitate repression and compulsivity. Compulsivity? Is that how you say it? Which was huge for Emma. She had a very compulsive behavior behavior trait yeah that she inherit, inherited from me unfortunately but being compulsive at times is awesome it encourages creativity it encourages spon spontaneity it encourages a lot of fun and interactive opportunities with other people and yet at the same time it can be very 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 destructive in certain areas and for her that's that's what it was no doubt yeah after learning so many things, one of the, it's interesting. We haven't written books. We haven't spoken publicly, but we have just gathered so much information and so much wisdom through trial and error, but mostly error, mm -hmm. that after learning a lot of why Emma kind of became what she became, we've had such healthy conversations with the other kids since. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to share that with other parents and friends of ours and, and just be open about, hey, make sure your kids know there's nothing wrong with them when they're curious. There's nothing wrong with them if and when they get caught up in certain things. Instead of reacting like, oh my gosh, What's how could you? you? Yeah. Yeah, the shaming statements. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, as parents, we tend to use shame on accident a lot, thinking that, hey, if we can make these fear-based type statements, it'll make sure our kids don't make right. stupid choices or screw up. Or, a little bit like fire and brimstone type thing. If yeah. you really scare people into... Which is terrible. Into doing what we've asked them to do or mm -hmm. teach them to do throughout their childhood, then, yeah, we definitely learned how to change our expectations yeah, just realistic, I think, expectations of, of everyone in your life, not just your kids, Literally, yourselves, know. your spouses, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your extended family members. I'm guessing a lot of people that, well, there's what, six or seven people that listen to this? So all seven <laughs> of you, thank you, by the way, you know somebody that struggles with this. It'd be really interesting if you were authentic enough to sit back and go, how do I treat that person? How do I speak to them? Do I accidentally shame them, even whether I mean it or not? You know, just because maybe you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do. And the name of our podcast is Loving an Addict. Why did we choose that? Well, I'll be honest. There's Part of me feels like it's kind of a harsh phrase because we're talking about someone that we love and adore and and would do anything for and so obviously we wanted to have something that would be reach people who need to hear these podcasts but the biggest thing is we wanted because and the reason I feel like it's it's so you know so harsh it's kind of drastic but it but it's also it's also exactly what we're talking about it is and we, so it's twofold we we want to let people know that you can still have a loving relationship and love those who have an addiction. And um, who struggle. And, yeah. And yeah. eventually, if they don't yet, eventually feel that you do love them regardless, you know? 
Yeah, and that's but, the other part of it. There's so much more than an addict. That's why it kind of feels a little heavy to me too, that title, loving an addict. There's, it, you know, I'm also loving a daughter and I'm loving... <laughs> You know, I love someone who struggled, but who was wonderful and giving and caring. And I was telling Duff the other day, even even little things, she would often come home and be like, Mom, I brought you a drink. I brought you a snack. I brought you your favorite treat. And yeah, this just seems like a little thing, but that's who she was. She was trying to think of people and do things for them and spend time with them. And so it's way more this this podcast is way more than just addiction just an addict there's so much that goes into loving someone who struggles this way just remembering all the wonderful things about them we can't we can't lose sight of that even though you want to so bad you want to put them in a box and say this is all you are this is all i don't even know how to deal with this this is too complicated this is too hard but we need to remember that all of the wonderful things and awesome things that they they are besides that, right? Yeah. What is it that Marjorie Hinckley said? Oh my gosh, you guys, I know some of you will re recognize the name Marjorie Hinckley, but that's probably one of the best parenting advice I ever received when I read her book. And she said, above all else, save the relationship no matter what with your kids and she's talking as a parent she's no matter what save your relationship and i love that it was like that is our only job our only job as parents is to love and to give grace and i think so often we're like no i have to drill into them what i think and what i think is going to be good for them and how they need to live their lives and force them to live a certain way and, yes. and, and only support if they're clean Right. The, the example I like to, to use is our youngest, Sophie. I don't know what it was with her when she was little, but she was always falling into pools. <laughs> My folks had a pool and there was a time or two we would be traveling at hotels and she would just fall in. She was like 18 months old, two years old, couldn't really swim. I don't know how many cell phones I lost going in after her, <laughs> but I didn't care about what was in my pockets. The, the minute I saw her go in and I can vividly think of two example, like exact experiences where, you know, I just went right in clothes on pockets full of wallet phone, you know, what didn't matter. Like I didn't think about it all about this worldly crap that was on my person. All I was thinking about was my, my baby girl mm -hmm. and what a world we would live in if we all acted like that. no matter what, but it's hard. We're not here to tell you that it's easy. Mm -hmm. We want you to know, we know it's hard and it takes a lot of intentional patience and, and effort. Mm -hmm. I will say this, where we never screwed up is we always, as much as we possibly could, we gave, we, we fought, we fought hard. And that's one thing I'm really proud of. And I'm proud of that for her sisters too. 
And ultimately, it's an absolute honor to have been her dad. As brutal as it was at times, looking back, like, what a privilege it was for me. Yeah. So that's all we wanted to share today is to remind everybody, first of all, we know what you're going through. We understand it. We have complete empathy for it. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with that person in your life. They have their own unique struggles. But that doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. Everyone has incredible value. I don't care who you are. I don't care what family you come from. And the hardest part of being a parent is helping your children believe that about themselves. Is believing about them and thinking about them and feeling about them the way that we do as their parents. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about next time? We're going to talk about what it's like when you don't recognize your child. Oh, yeah. We're hoping to talk to... Well, we won't. Just We don't want to name drop just yet. Tune in to see who we're going to talk to. That's right. But remember, there's always, always hope. And there's always, always hope. We'll take you out on a recording of Emma singing and playing the piano. I think this is just a really beautiful message that she would love to share with those that she loved that also struggled with addiction.